0: This is Fundraising Radio, and today's a guest speaker we have Grant Van Cleve, ex-president of Tech Coast Angels Orange County, currently on the board of governors at Tech Coast Angels Orange County. And also, Grant is the managing partner at Hangar 75. So we'll talk about that, the current role of uh, Grant, his role as a board of governor. Uh, we'll talk about that. What does he do as a uh, Member of a board of governors, and also we'll talk about the documents. So one of the pre previous episodes of fundraising radio was about the documents that you need to present to investors prior to getting money from them. And in this episode, Grant will say which documents are really really important and which ones you should just do, but don't don't spend too much time on them. So Grant, I'll let's kick off by you giving us some background on yourself and on that coast, Angeles, Orange County.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, the name Grant Van Cleve. I am an American who lived uh, 20 years abroad in Europe and came back here in 2010. Uh, background of venture and real estate and uh, incubating nonprofits. Um, anyway, very active as an angel investor in 77 different companies. I'm on the board or an advisor of probably a quarter of those. Um, so I, I take this seriously. It's not a hobby between golf. It's something that I want to get great at, really empower wonderful companies, and, um, and hopefully do it at a skilled enough level to get the uh, rates of return that make it a useful uh, way to deploy capital and to spend time. So far, so good
0: on those fronts. That's that's great to hear. Congrats on on the good rates so far. Um so speaking of rates, by the way, before we move on to <clears throat> sorry, speaking of tech post angels, I first wanted to ask you how how is it going right now in terms of investing? So a lot of investors are going getting back on their feet and starting to deploy cash really actively in the companies. What do you think is going on in the Angel world? How are they behaving?
1: Ah, uh, good question. It's um I would say that we, as investors, are a little bit uh, schizophrenic on this. There's obviously nervousness. People's <laughs> you know portfolios might be down, and you think of Angel as something you do with some extra money, and there's a little bit less extra money, so you'd be much more cautious. At the same time, there's just some amazing stories of innovation that happens in downturns and troubled eras, and um, just that scrappy quality entrepreneur that makes their way through this. So you kind of want to be ready to deploy money on the other end of it Um, at the same time as there's probably some discounts and valuation and things like that that make it a little bit more attractive so we're sort of playing hard to get at the same time as keeping a listening ear to the ground wanting to make sure we do get access to the right deals at the right time
0: hmm Speaking of listening to the ground, how do you source your deals So how do you find most of the deals that you invested? Is it through angel groups? Is it through partnering angel groups with Tech Coast Angels or where else do you find them?
1: Well, uh, as you mentioned earlier, I am a very active member of a particular angel group called Tech Coast Angels. Joined that six years ago and then became the president and then the chairman of the, the Board of Governors. And it's a big group. It's kind of big fish, small pond in Southern California. We have 450 angels, and um, we've really deployed into some great companies over the years. So it's a great place to meet good investors as well as to get sources uh, of deal flow. At The same time as I've gotten active in that, I'm often seeing deals before they get to those angel levels. I have a network of people who are passing on deals, sometimes too many deals, um, <laughs> Um, and I also have a higher risk tolerance than a lot of investors do. Plenty of people would want to wait until it gets more traction that Mm -hmm. invest maybe at a higher valuation, but a a lower uh, risk situation, a risk profile. While I'm thinking, well, if this thing's going to grow anyway, I'm going to be able to discern it fast. So I want to get more, a larger percentage of the company by jumping in earlier. So I know people who know that if they run into a good idea that doesn't quite have the sex appeal um, of some other deals and might be having a little bit of trouble with it. its initial traction, but they really have a great idea and a good founder, and then, you know, they'll come and seek me out because I'm interested in people like that.
0: That's really great to hear. I love people with high risk tolerance. <laughs> so let's now talk about Tech Coast Angels and specifically, what is a board of governors? What, what does it do?
1: Well, so there are five different chapters within Tech Coast Angels. So it's not a like national network, like say a Koretsu. um Maybe not as broad as that, but we're a little tighter than that. But still, each of the five chapters represent geographies, and those geographies want to be involved in the the local entrepreneurial ecosystem. So the San Diego crowd of investors wants to in, hang out with the San Diego founders. So they're going to get better access to the particular companies in that area, and they're going to have a better chance of being able to become good coaches for those founders. So five different groups that have you know, slightly different focus at the same time as we like to invest in each other's deals. We also just like being with one another. So we try to create some connections, some things that tether us together. So one of those is a governance mechanism where those chapters meet together and have uh, an appointed board that helps give direction. But you know the primary energy of each of those groups is the local chapter. So the Orange County chapter, we're a part of here, you know, we're a pretty tight-knit group. Same thing with Santa Barbara or LA or the Inland Empire. Um, so it's just, it, we're a loosely knit group of people, you know, if not, if all your listeners are not aware, angel investors are writing checks from their own pocketbook. They're not a an investment committee deploying money that somebody else you know, gave them, that they raised, they're actually individuals. So those relationships are pretty important in angel groups that they uh, have camaraderie to share deals, to trust each other in diligence, to kind of uh, put their money where their mouth is by backing one another's deals as well. So um, Mm -hmm. governance isn't the same thing really as a, you know, the managing partners or an investment committee at a venture capital Mm -hmm. group that wield a lot of power. On the other hand, You know, angels as a group invest enough and make a difference enough in those early stage high risk things that, you know, doing what we do well is important. So governance plays a role.
0: That's true. No one, I'm pretty sure no one doubts that what angels do is really, really important. Uh, But my next question was actually about finding those angel groups. So of course there are huge angel groups like Tech Coast Angels, New York Angels, uh, Corazzo, as you mentioned. But... There are across the U.S. I think there are like 50, 70 angel groups. So what's your recommendation in finding those? Is there a tool other than Association of ACA? I forgot what it stands for, Association of.
1: That's right. You remember that. Okay, ACA is the Angel Capital Association, and that is a That's... great website to go to. And that represents, a, I mean, it's a surprising how many numbers of angel groups there are around the nation and around the world. So you mentioned a few big ones. As you go deeper, people might have another handful or a dozen names, but there's actually hundreds of such groups. So there's a good directory there. You just, you know, say whether you're an investor looking to join something, or if you're a company looking for investment, there are a geographical sorter and it's just listed by state and then different groups within that. So if you're in the you know state of Kansas and you don't think that there's, you know, much happening entrepreneurially, well, it turns out there is. And be mm-hmm. great groups to get involved with there. And at least in our case, we put, I think it's 85% of our investment into deals within Southern California. So that, as I mentioned earlier, about coaching, about you know playing a role in those companies at some level, we want to do that close to home. So as opposed to other groups that might uh, have a national or international footprint, angels will tend to be local. So that kind of a directory is a great place to to go to learn more.
0: Absolutely, that's true. I was, uh, again, it's ACA, Angel Capital Association. I got it. I remember that. <laughs> that was tough. But let's talk more about pandemic and what's going on right now in the field of fundraising for startups so where should founders go right now like literally this day this week to raise funding should they try grants first before going on to angels should they try individual angels before going to angel groups or should they just go straight to big angel groups like uh, Decos angels
1: i'm not sure i'll have a good answer to that um Maybe I could take it from another direction. If you're an existing entrepreneur and have investment, you will significantly be more likely to get money from your existing investors. So even if you have to lower your valuation, incentivize them to get some money in, that's really going to be your best, best bet. Investors will want to triage and think through their existing things before they'll expand into new things. Um, and yeah, I was... Read a quote recently about from Warren Buffett saying that you know when the tide goes out that's when you see who was swimming naked. Um, <laughs> things are tough, so if you've got an idea and of course you're believing in it with all your heart and you're trying your best at it, but maybe it really isn't getting the necessary traction, and you know it could be a time to, you know, just to have an honest conversation about what it's really at. But on the other hand, it's a great chance to pivot. It's a great chance to find out. Uh, there's changes in the market that are happening, and find out how your product maybe really you know relates more to this particular market. I've, there's been a great boost in e-commerce sales, which is uh, good news for startups because more people are selling directly mm. or in those sort of routes to customer markets rather than needing to do br- expensive brick and mortar things. So there are parts of this that could 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 be good for us, but it's a little tough if you really have an idea that you're generally getting off the ground from nowhere and the market is so unstable you know it is not an easy time to raise funds but that can also be a reason to uh, put in some more sweat equities and some developing the product keeping uh, you know active studying of what's happening in these changes in the market and adapting your product to it so that when you come out the other end you've got something robust and you can uh, be the only ones, you know, left standing or the first one to enter into a transitional thing and their money will follow that. So, right. But if you're just saying I've got this thing and I love it, I think you should back it. It's going to be a tougher time for a couple of months than it was previously.
0: Definitely, definitely. That's a good point. And speaking of money following good ideas and you know, sustainable ideas, let's talk about the beach deck. How can a founder prove that his or her idea is the sustainable one what do you think are the major points that they should include in the pitch deck to prove that
1: well there's there's good resources out there of things you can study in in general about keeping the pitch deck size down shorter than you think making it attractive making it uh, discernible to to anybody there's other tips about you know take a lot there's a lot of data you want to throw in there and actually you're better off putting those in an appendix as sort of, or a second deck, supplementary deck. Um, Just think of in terms of absorption of content by somebody who's reading it and reading it quickly or hearing it, seeing it from the front. Um, And you want to make sure they catch the main idea, which I guess then I would add to that. You should think very strongly about the beginning and the end. Especially the beginning, the majority of angel investors decide uh, whether or not they're going to make an investment in a given company within the first three minutes of a presentation. Now, it doesn't mean it only takes three minutes to convince them. It might take a full 12 minute presentation. It might take two weeks of due diligence afterwards, but they get in a mindset where they say, I like this and I want to find out if it's true. I really hope it's true because it would be a great thing to be part of it or the world really would be a better place. They'll catch that and then they'll be in a frame of mind saying, I'm just checking to see if there's any red flags. (laughs) Or they're on the other end where they're like, huh, I don't get it. Or I doubt it, that can't be true. Or, you know, uh, that guy's, you know, it's a, a pipe dream. It's not rooted in reality. There'll be some kind of frame of mind where they get in a negative frame of mind about it and they're uh, just not interested. You really can then give them all the facts and figures in the world, give them you know, pages and pages of data and they'll still be like, yeah, but it doesn't work for me. That sense of it, it works for me is gonna happen fast. So make sure you've got a, a catchy and clear beginning to it that uh, doesn't bury the lead, tells them exactly what it's after and a quick summary of why you're the ones to do it and then say, and I'm gonna prove that to you. And then you can use whatever time you've got left to flesh out the detail. But they should they should understand what it is you do, and they should be excited about it being true from the very beginning. Right. Maybe a couple of tips.
0: Those are all good tips, so thanks for that. And from moving on to mistakes that founders make, especially now the times have changed. There are no more face-to-face meetings basically at all. So what do you see the standard mistakes that founders make during those Zoom calls, during the actual presentations where they speak and show show their slides? What are the major mistakes you see there?
1: Um, mistakes. I, I think the mistakes would be the similar mistakes to face-to-face meetings. Those. The problem with uh, Zoom calls and things is it's it amplifies the same basic mistakes. So take, for example, listening. I just think that's the like number one thing in general in your interactions with an investor. They want to know that you're coachable, that you're humble, that you're paying attention to you know, things they might be offering, uh, tips that, and it's not that they have egos, you have to listen to them, but they want to know whether you're going to listen to the market, whether you're going to listen to your clients, whether you're going to listen to your teammates. So um, catching clearly, you know, not being ready to jump into your answer, but making sure you're listening well to what their question really is, what their concern really is, um, waiting to for sure You know, they're done with their comment or their question, then repeating it back and affirming what it is they asked and then saying, you know, now if I've got, if I understood that correctly and you're concerned about this or that, then yeah, here's what you need to know about our product. And then you explain that um, in a way, those are just, you know, those are general conversational tools. Those are general things that are affirming to somebody you're trying to have an empathetic conversation with. Those are ways to persuade people but they're really, they're tougher when you don't have those visual cues, when you can't uh, tell for sure when they're done, when there's a lag in in the thing. So just sort of double down on those basic communication things, knowing that the medium makes them even more challenging.
0: Mm -hmm. Right, right. That's actually great advice for being what the other person says is a good uh, tactic of speech. So you should, you should definitely practice that and before moving on to the question about the documents and which documents are more important which are less important I would love to discuss hangar 75 with you what is that
1: so hangar 75 is uh, taking entrepreneurship from a slightly different angle and I what I'm gonna explain to you is gonna be different than my normal mo of how i would be investing or how i even think entrepreneurship happens and by that i mean that most entrepreneurship most of the dramatic innovative things that happen in the world happen from somebody who has an, a great idea and they're able to fall on the sword to do all that it takes to bring an idea to life to meet the challenges that are associated with entrepreneurship and um you know, there's obstacles in the market, obstacles in team and family life and finances, all of these things that should stop innovation from happening and in most parts of the world. In most parts of history, they don't happen. So in our uh, era and in America in particular, maybe even California more so than some other places, entrepreneurship happens because we have a climate where it's okay to try and where we believe in in Great courageous people to do transformative things so that's entrepreneurship in general and that's what I love that's what I back that's most of those 77 companies I put my time into it my money into it but all that said there's another way to look at uh, entrepreneurship which is that sometimes there are good ideas that are out there that can make a difference in the marketplace um, but execution is important And there are many times when there are entrepreneurs who have cool ideas, but they don't really know how to get from point A to point B. We as angels can, you know, be a part of helping other advisors, other teammates and things, but it's not easy to build all those pieces together. Well, sometimes you could actually have an idea that's good and just needs quality input in order to get it off the ground. So nger 75 is a little bit more focused on that we're not taking an entrepreneur and grooming his idea where or we're not helping him or her build that company we're saying we'll build that company and maybe you'll get to be a part of it it could be an idea we have ourselves it could be an idea that somebody comes to us it could be an idea that we build a team around eventually but in general we're saying we've got a we think we've got a pretty good skill set to get at things from uh, point a to point b Second part of it is we also realized that there's a lot of acquisition opportunities that get missed because people are more interested in a longer term, you know, shoot for the unicorn or in using a baseball terminology or swinging for the fence, trying to get a home run. But there was a movie a few years back called Moneyball. Some might have seen about the story about the Oakland A's and sort of a more statistical approach to baseball to getting singles, getting bases on balls, doing whatever it takes to get people to move around the bases and get runs. And those points were more important than the drama of something like a home run. So taking Mm -hmm. that back the other way, we're saying that there's ideas that should get built to a certain level and then should get sold, should find another home, let a corporate buyer buy it and help develop it within the context of their own client base, help, uh, somebody bring it on board to get to a private equity company who could put more money and more talent into it. But a lot of times if somebody's, if it's their, their baby, their thing, they want to put on their tombstone, they're really just swinging for the fences in that home run. They're saying, I've got to turn this into a unicorn. This is what I'm going to be known for when we're saying, no, it's okay. Let's build some things that are good ideas, products that can get find a home relatively quickly. And investors like that, they might tell you they want to get a, 10x or a 20x or a 30x return but if they could consistently get 5x returns for their money uh, on a regular basis would have good exits Uh, they get excited about that maybe it's not the only thing they're excited about but there's a room within an angel portfolio for more secure returns absolutely that's what we're trying to do at hangar 75
0: that's really interesting. And I'll definitely leave a link to Hangar 75 in the description of this episode. So if you think you have a good idea, you should talk to them. <laughs> Probably it's gonna it's gonna be something cool. Um so we're moving on to the question about the documents. There is an episode on fundraising radio where a lawyer explained five documents that are essential basically for an investor to make an investment in a startup. And uh, right now I'll put them up here. So it's first certificate of incorporation, second bylaws, third confidentiality and intellectual property assignment, fourth is restricted stock purchase agreement, and fifth is the corporate resolution. So Grant, which one do you think are I mean, which ones do you think are really important and which ones are can be kind of ignored?
1: Um That's an interesting question. Uh, The specific answer is that none of them can be ignored. Ultimately, all (laughs) five of those things you mentioned need to get taken care of. Uh, I view it a little bit more in the context of whether or not, how would I say this? From an investor's perspective, especially at an early stage, when most of the investments that I would be doing would be happening, we wanna make sure that you, a couple of things. One is you're not doing anything illegal Okay, so is, does it have some valid basis? So have you created some company around it? If we're gonna invest in you, are we investing in something tangible? So that's that's sort of a minimal approach to it. We also are interested to know whether you think that way. I, we, have, of course, are more excited. You know, We're not buy, backing somebody just because they can do their legal and financial, dotting their I's and crossing their T's. There's lots of organized people out there doing innovative things. So that's not the main thing, but we also need to know whether that innovator is reasonable enough to know what needs to get done. So that would mean if they at least were studying it we're getting people alongside them that were helping think about that. Um, but outside of that, <clears throat> those initial documents that you're creating are probably going to need to be changed along the way. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think you get any extra brownie points by having spent you know, $20,000 on some great legal documents when we're like, ah, that wasn't what we're going to need for our round anyway, let's, you know, we're going to need to change those or a future Series A VC fund will definitely need to work on some governance documents. But, Mm -hmm. um, so I wouldn't put a ton of time or money into it. There's great basic documents at uh, GoCooley. They're sort of online thing for a legal group. There's other ones you can download. So you can adapt those or even just using the basic uh, you know law depot and legal zoom places there's ways to get a decent set of documents so you do need to get those things but you should be spending more time on developing the business plan itself on developing some kind of financial forecast And even on that same front of financial forecasts, we also know that whatever numbers you're putting in there probably aren't that well baked. They aren't that Mm -hmm. tested in the market. We're not hiring you because you're a great accountant and we're not investing in you because you're a great accountant. But we're saying, are you actually thinking about it? Are you aware of unit economics? Are you aware of customer acquisition costs? Do you have an idea of what overhead would be necessary to build out a company to support your idea if your thing gets going? But... But we're not going to go through a fine-tooth comb on exactly all those overhead costs whether you put them in exactly correctly we're just we're again more concerned about that exercise and that you have an awareness that those things are important
0: right that's that's actually a great answer that's perfect and i see too often probably how startup founders are getting too much focused on the documents i've seen some spending like Five seven thousand dollars in that I'm like, come on, you're not you're not paying for an SPV here. <laughs> just just move on, you know, do some basic stuff and move on. So, yeah, we're definitely on the same page here with you, Grant. And on this page, we're moving on to the last question of today's episode, which is a call to action. So, what's that one thing that you would like uh, the listener to do as soon as the episode is over?
1: Well, <clears throat> First call to action. I mean, I guess I, you know, I want to make sure that we are not missing this opportunity from COVID and coronavirus where people are working from home, where there's a little bit slower pace, a little bit, you know, fewer evening activities you can go to for mixtures. And if, if we just use that to, to watch, to binge watch Netflix episodes or to, <laughs> you know, catch up on our tan or, Beef up our biceps or something. We're going to miss the opportunity to actually do some deeper reflection. That uh, can be deeper reflection about your company, about when I what I mentioned earlier about what market forces are changing. Doing some kind of deep research, um, just you know thinking through where things are headed and daring to adapt. You know that just sense of a, a change of pace gives an opportunity to to think things through at a deeper level. And I guess I take that same thing from a for your personal side, I mentioned a little bit earlier, sometimes we're just so caught up and we have to, you know, build this thing this way or, you know, it could be, you know, take stock of how things are going in other relationships in your life. How is your family keeping up with your entrepreneurial pursuits? Um, you know, what, what do you really want life to be like in 10 years? And sometimes we just get going week to week, month to month, year after year on the same track and some of that's necessary to just stay focused and do that deep work that leads to transformative things but sometimes we also need to to take advantage of kind of a sabbatical rest. Those rhythms were always in there of you know uh, fields that are left fallow for a little bit in order to regain their nutritional potential so they can you know, do well for the following years. It's kind of built into those right. biblical stories of taking a year, a day out of seven in the week off a day, a year out of seven of a slower pace in order for those you know fields to be fallow or to get training or whatever. So this is one of those opportunities that landed on us whether we want it or not. And I would say take advantage of that to, to do some deep thinking, some deep uh, prayerful reflection on meaning of things and uh come out of that whatever that is even if it is mean tightening the belt for a little bit economically to get through it it can mean coming out the other side that you're in a a better richer situation that sort of gold can be refined by fire uh let's just see this as a tougher time but through which if we handle it well we can have a a better future
0: right that's actually a pretty philosophical, but still a good call to action. I think, yeah, just taking a look at what, what you're doing in terms of your company building, in terms of where trends are going, it's really important. And speaking of trends, my call to action would be follow some uh, you know daily email updates like I'm personally reading too. Uh, it's Crunchbase daily updates and AngelList daily updates. Great. you know, It takes me like five minutes a day. And I know where things are going. I'm not missing anything huge out. So do that, follow Grant's advice, follow mine for sure. (laughs) And at this point, we'll wrap it up. Thanks a lot, Grant, for coming up and for sharing your experience. I think it was really useful episode. So thanks a lot for that. I appreciate it. You're doing a great job. Thank you.
1: All right, take care, everybody.